This is Friday Night Strikes, where I'll talk to high school football officials around the USA about this avocation we all love. Let's kick it off. Hi everyone, Don Vandemark here, and today I have Will Pruitt on. Um, thank you for joining today, Will. Don, it's a pleasure. So, Will, uh, Will comes from us. Uh, what what uh, city do you live in, Will? I live in Dardanelle, Arkansas. Okay, and Will uh, Will is a high school official of 22 years, correct? Correct. And the day job is actually as commissioner of the Great American Conference. We're an NTA Division II conference with six schools in Oklahoma, six schools in Arkansas. So, you know, I think you've got to be a little bit crazy when, you know, you deal with, with angering coaches and administrators all day. And what do you do for fun during the fall? Go deal with a different set of, of upset coaches <laughs> and administrators at times. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it, it it must be the case that you like talking to to administrators and coaches. There's it, it, it uh, a lot worse things in life. <laughs> at at the end of the day, most most administrators, most coaches are out there. For the same reasons we're out there trying to trying to educate uh, young people, trying to to move them along in their life. So, um, so usually, any any disagreements we have over judgment things. Uh, on the sidelines are usually not a problem. Yeah. So, uh, so Will, thanks again for joining. What? Um, let's talk a little bit about your officiating journey. When did you get started? Where did you get started? How did that evolve? I started officiating in the mid nineties. I was I was a grad assistant at Appalachian State University. Um, hope that doesn't bring any bad memories for Michigan fans uh, possibly listening. But <laughs> um, worked with. Um, the football, basketball, and baseball programs at Appalachian State in the media relations department. And during the summers and at times during the fall, I worked for our local Parks and Rec. And uh, my boss at the Parks and Rec, the at the time assistant athletic director, now he's in charge of, of um, the county Parks and Rec department as a whole, named Stephen Poulos, very good um, football official. He's like, Hey, this is a great way for you to maybe get a little, a little bit of money. I think you would enjoy it. Um, I was I was umpiring a little bit of baseball and softball at the time, and I was able to start spend my first two years um, there in North Carolina working sub varsity. At the time, you couldn't work varsity until your third year, and it was really a great experience. We you know, we had a great local chapter um, at the time in North Carolina. Um, newer officials would go and work um, varsity games on the clock, and that was just such a great experience to be with, be at those crews on on Friday nights when I was able to to you know, the the ride to and from the game, you know, what you would learn in um, pregame, and you know we had a number of college officials that that were part of our part of our local board, and you know I was so blessed. I I received some one-on-one attention from those folks. They would come out, you know, when I worked a junior high game or a junior varsity game, and you know, just get that great feedback. Hey, here's what you did well. Here's what you need to work on. And you now I'm so blessed because later on, the places I've been in my career, had I started there, I don't think I would have received that kind of attention that really, you know, got me started and. You know, it's so. I think that's one of the things in our retention problem. You know, 
there are so many external things that you know make it difficult for um, younger officials to want to stay in officiating, but I'm not sure that we always do a great job internally of you know encouraging those younger folks, really trying to work with those younger folks, and you know, I was so blessed with with the uh, mentorship that I received from a number of people in North Carolina. Sure, sure. No, that that sounds like that's that was a good environment to to grow um, your knowledge of of the avocation in. So um, you, you're you're right. I've I've noticed a, a lot of different places through people I've talked to. There's not a lot of um, there's some mentorship. There's some small amount of feedback, but usually uh, usually there's not a lot. So um, it sounds like that was a great environment to get into. So what uh what positions are are you a referee right this minute or what do you currently work? I'm I'm typically a headlinesman. Um, before before I got old and fat, I, w- I would say old, fat, and slow, but I've always been slow. Um, <laughs> you know, but but um you know I worked some you know I worked I was fortunate enough that I worked on a really stable crew that stayed largely intact when I was in West Virginia for 12 seasons. I worked, I worked the wing there. And when I took this job, um, great American conference was a startup conference and our, we began play in 2011. Um, literally I worked the West Virginia playoff game on a Friday night, um, packed over the weekend and moved to Arkansas on Monday. And wow. I had been in Arkansas, maybe three days and had a, had a phone call from, from a gentleman. Our offices at the time were in Russellville, which is just about 10 minutes away. And, um, you know, crew in town, they needed a wing official. And you know, again, you know, just, just a great, um, lucky break. Um, three of the, three of the guys on that crew officiate in the great American conference. And, you know, they needed, they needed a wing official, so I was able to slide in and you know, work a really good schedule and work with a work with a great crew and and we, we really have kind of evolved into an interesting position because we have um, probably about ten or twelve guys, um, the majority of whom um, work in college athletics or officiate college athletics. So um, we you know, we kind of flip flop a little bit who works who now, but. You know, typically I work the wing and it's one of those, you know, I've gotten so many things from, from officiating, you know, a majority of my, of the closest friends that I have are officials, um, so much professional development. Um, now I'm not sure that that's something that we've really hit on enough again, when we try to recruit officials, you know, it's just such a great way to, to learn to work with people within your crew when you communicate with mm-hmm. coaches, you just learn so many valuable life lessons. And, and again, it's just, you know, great people involved in the avocation of officiating football. Sure. Sure. Well, very, very good. Very good. So uh, that, that sounds like a, a, a busy weekend for you um, to go, to go work Friday night games. And then for the conference, I'm sure you've got a, a number of games going on Saturday um, that, that you at least want to have the pulse of. Um, I don't know how, how active you are in, in attending each game. I, I'm sure you're somewhat uh, active in going to, to some of the schools. And my, my typical weekend is 
you know, I have a seven-year-old daughter who, whose best friend, my, my next-door neighbor, is a junior high football coach. So, and he, they have children that are the same age as my daughter. So, you know, the football weekend starts on Thursday night. We go to our local junior high game. It's kind of the the date night. I take my daughter to let her go play with her friends and. You know, it's kind of fun to to be there on the side and actually watch for a spectator, which you know, really doesn't happen that much. But sure. you know, our crew, we work all over the state of Arkansas. We work um, largely in the 5A, 6A, and 7A conferences. So we're all over the state. You know, occasionally we'll have trips that you know, we've gone as far as three, three and a half hours for regular season games. I have to be on on each campus for at least one football game. So an 11-week schedule, we have 12 schools. Um, that means that pretty much every Saturday I'm on the road going to at least one campus. Sometimes when my travel schedule lets me do it, um, it's, it, it's, a, it's an amazing deal. Um, I, have, I have two schools that are just across the street from each other. So you know, I can, that's, that's always a two-game weekend when I go there. But, you know, Pretty much, um, you know, from late August until late November, you know, it's, you know, on the field Friday night, um, Saturdays, you know, it's, you know, so many pieces to, you know, it's meeting with presidents, athletic directors, other coaches, um, trying to catch um, the football coaches for a little bit when they're on the field for just a second to say hi and, you know, just kind of see what's going on with those guys. Um, yeah, I do have a supervisor of football officials, um, Jeff Roberson, who he handles most of the most of the nuts and bolts with our officiating program. But you know, I get a lot of you know, I get you know, when there's something controversial or questions. Um, I do I do get a lot of calls there. Um, you know, deal with a lot of administrative things. If there's weather issues, if there's issues with you know, a band playing when they shouldn't play or, or just different things, kind of the, you know, the little things that make everything go around a college football weekend. But, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of long weekends, but again, it's, you know, it's just such a, you know, I love the game. It's been good to me. Um, you know, I get to be around incredible people at, you know, you know, from the officiating end, the coaching end, you know, the 12 athletic directors in our conference are fantastic. So, you know, there are long weekends, but um, they're a lot of fun. Sure, sure. That that sounds that sounds like I mean, it's, it sounds like a really busy job, but it also sounds like it's a ton of fun. Um, exposure to it to a ton of sports and and lots of student athletes. You know, we have um, as a conference, I think almost four thousand student athletes, sixteen sports. Um, so, you know, it is, it's one of those things that does keep you young when you get to be around, you know, all those student athletes at our championships and at games through the year. Sure. Sure. Well, let's, uh, let's, if, if you don't mind, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, about a, a, a previous role you served. Now this is on the NCAA rule committee, but, but it, it doesn't, it, it, it probably, is similar to how the the National Federation for High School works, or or in the same vein. So you you served as a member of the of the NCAA Rules Committee. How 
How do rule change suggestions or, or requests normally come in? Where do those come from? And then what, what, did, they, what did the committee do with those? When I was on the football rules committee, it's it's a little smaller group than than the federation rules committee. The federation rules committee is, you know, every state association, with the exception of Texas, who who plays NTA rules, and I think maybe one other state. Um, so they have a much bigger room that they deal with. Um, the NTA football rules committee there there's twelve members, six represent division division one. Four of those represent football bowl series schools, combination of coaches and administrators. There's three NTA Division II members, three NTA Division III members. Um, we also typically have a few officials in the room, um, assigners or officials from different conferences and different levels. Um, and, and interestingly enough, we also have a representative from the UIL, which is the Texas High School Association that oversees oversees football. And we also have a representative from the National Federation. So, you know, there, there really was quite a bit of um, back and forth between the NCAA and the Federation. We would, we would always receive a an update from the Federation on rules changes that they were considering or, and vice versa. I think, you know, someone would, someone from the NTAA staff would go and make a report to the National Federation. And it's really interesting if you're in, if you're in Indianapolis, the National Federation headquarters and the NCAA offices are literally, I mean, they're not even a pitching wedge apart. I'm, they're really close. I always pass the Federation offices when when I walk to the NTA offices from the hotel in Indianapolis. But, you know, things really would bubble up from a number of different levels. We um, Surveys, the NTA sends surveys out to, to all the head coaches in all three levels, as well as commissioners, athletic directors, officials. Um, we would receive requests on behalf of um, – conferences and occasionally we would um we would receive letters or presentations from different head coaches and the part that really surprised me when I was on the committee was I guess maybe the role of, of some of the television networks um, mm-hmm. we typically you know I, I served a four-year term and you know most years we would you know, at least two years, we received, you know, just you know, you know tweaks or things that um, that would be on behalf of some of the broadcast partners in college football, ESPN, Fox Sports, etc. And you know, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised when when the first time I saw those, but you realize, you know, what a what a stakeholder they are in in the game and typically we didn't really act on many of those and a lot of those were were really things that didn't impact playing rules but you know all of those things would would come across um, while I was on the committee that's when the NTA went to the um, rules changes every two years unless it's safety involved or something that just has to be fixed immediately and you know maybe maybe probably the most national notoriety that I've ever received in the job is 
I was on the committee. I'm, I'm one of the 12 people that passed the targeting rule. So you can, sure. you know, all your listeners can probably boo, hiss, clap. You know, <laughs> it's definitely something that elicits a lot of reaction. But, you know, the first weekend of games, um, there, was a, there was a Florida player, there was an Alabama player, each ejected for targeting. So some of the, some of the, websites for or message boards for fans for these schools that they they put out there the members of the rules committee so you know i come in on monday and thank goodness they didn't have my cell number but i'm like 105 voicemails what on earth and most of them were um, alabama fans or florida fans who weren't very happy with the rule and that and how the rule was was interpreted on that first week but um, as a whole, I think the rule's been fantastic. I think coaches have done a tremendous job of of really coaching some dangerous hits out of the game. You know, players adjusting. Sure. It, it's amazing. You go back and watch. I pulled up on YouTube. I was I was in a hotel room with nothing else to do and started watching some college football games from the from the eighties and nineties. And you know, I mean, you would see in those games. You know, at least four or five times a quarter, um, dangerous plays that have largely been eliminated from the game. You know, I don't buy the whole, right. you know, we're making the game soft, that whole. I mean, it's still an incredibly physical, hard game to play. And and anything we can do that makes it a little bit safer without changing the essential character of football, you know, I think it's a great thing. But, you know, it really was, um, you know, some of the people that I got to interact with, um, I don't know that I'll ever have another um, professional opportunity that really is as meaningful as the four years I spent on the rules committee. Sure, sure. So I, I, I think that's that's perfectly a good a great stance on on the rule changes and and legislating safety into the game. Um, I know when the blindside block, uh, the 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 codification of the blindside block came in last year. Um, that there was a lot of pushback that that it was going to show up all the time that it was going to change games. I, I want to say it, there we called it the first three or four weeks, but after that, you'd look at a play and you'd see a player go and then let up at the last minute, like "Oops, I can't do that," or lead with his hands like he's supposed to lead with his open hands and hit a person right in the front, and the the contact was. Not as violent, um, but it was just as effective uh, for for eliminating the defender from the play. Um, so I, I think, as you said, the coaches coach it and the players learn. Um, the players adapt to it. So um, I, I certainly don't think uh, that there's any concern, at least on my part, from from legislating some of the the safety into the game. Um, unfortunately, we can't get all the dangerous hits out of the game just uh, just the nature of the game as you said we had a we had a game uh, during the playoffs um the quarterback not not a runner by nature um decided to scramble ran up the middle got a shoulder pad right in the chest um perfectly clean hit but he went down and he was out the rest of the game um just because he wasn't he like i said not naturally a runner so he wasn't Oh, uh, uh, he wasn't thinking of ways to protect himself, I guess is yeah, the best the, way to put it. 
you know, I love the rules changes and you know, it's interesting. I think there's much more fan reaction than there is coach reaction. A play like you just described is one. Um, sure. You know, I think coaches, you know, by and large, they, you know, they get what, you know, what um, the rules committees or governing bodies are trying to accomplish because obviously they have a, you know, they have a much bigger stake in, and I'm um, seeing the sport of football be healthy even than, than officials do. And so I think coaches by and large get it. You know, unfortunately, um, you know, there's folks in stands that, you know, or, or um, probably a little more frustratingly in the media that may not, you know, every time that there's a really physical hit or something that, you know, just sounds like, you know, a big pop there, you know, know, that's got to be a penalty. That's got to be a penalty. And, you know, and I mean, that's a battle you're never going to win, but uh, by and large, you know, and again, going back to the blindside block, you know, coaches have done a really good job. The players have adjusted so well to that. I, I think two years ago in the first year of the rule, we, you know, the first few weeks, I think we may have had three or four and, you know, this year I believe the I believe we had one in week one on a on a kickoff return and and maybe another one at some point during the season. But you know, again, you see those kids they they pull up and just kind of kind of serve as a screen or they go open handed and you know they and that ends up being just as effective a block. So you know, I think that's been a real positive for National Federation. Right. Oh, I think so. I think so. And you, you may have said this, um, and and if so, I, I apologize for missing it. Um, where where does feedback or input from um, uh, the officials association uh, itself fit into the rules changes? No, it really. I, at least speaking for for the NCAA. Sure, sure. There's not um, there's not an officials vote in those bodies. And I, you know, going through and and talk with some people, I think even though I don't officiate college, obviously, I think I was the first active official that was part of the of the rules committee. And you know, our first meeting, we had this in our meeting materials. They had a list of all the people that had ever served on the rules committee, and you, know, you see people like you know Bear Bryant, Bo Schembechler, et cetera, et cetera, and you know, virtually any. A lot of the great name athletic directors or coaches and kind of sitting in there like, yeah, what am I doing in here? <laughs> but, um, you know, there may not be an official vote, but everything gets vetted, you know, with the active officials in the room, the, the supervisors, um, those kind of people like, how is this actually going to work in practice? Right. And I think with who you look at, most of the people on the federation Rules Committee, since most of the state representatives on the National Federation Board are are the um, are the interpreters for the state association, who in many cases have been officials, or they or they've been coaches, or they've dealt with officiating issues for a long time. Um, you know, I've got several friends from from my time in you know, in different places that I know have served served on that National Federation. Um, rules committee. So I think there's a lot of officials input on that. You know, obviously, 
you know, not everything, but, uh, you know, it is geared to make it easier for us to call or, or um, exactly from our viewpoint. But, you know, I do think between surveys and the composition of people that are in the room, I really do think that officials probably, um, our viewpoint gets across pretty well in, in both of those rules-making bodies at the NCAA and federation levels. Sure, sure. And, and that, that that was my train of thought was um, who, who's who's putting in feedback on how how is this implemented? How easy will this be to implement? What what side effects are we non-officials not thinking about with with this rule change? Um, so it sounds like there's good input to, to capture all that information. Now, I do um, think one it, thing, I'm sorry, go ahead. I do think it may be a little bit easier from the NTA level um, than the federation level. You know, even though we do have you know, a common rule book, a common case book, and, you know, by and large, common mechanics for, you know, for the states that use five-man officials, but... Uh, you know, th- there are differences between each state and how their interpreter looks at looks at rule changes or the rule book. So, you now I think it's a little bit easier for us. Um, you know, at the NCA level, you know, even though we're fragmented, in, you know, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, you know, all the different conferences, but I still think it may be a little bit easier than trying to make sure everything's exactly the same um, than it is across those. Um, 47 or 48 states that that make up the national federation rules making body. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it is. And, and I think we're all waiting. Um, I think we're probably a week or so away from hearing what rules changes are coming out for, for high school football. Um, by the, by the time this actually, by the time people actually hear this, I believe those changes will be released. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what's coming. One thing I wanted to get back to, you were talking about media reaction and fan reaction um, to, to plays and things like that. One, um, one thing I've noticed lately is the, the way the different, and, and we're going way off base here as far as high school, we're talking officiating in general. Um, the NBA, to, to take the NBA, for example, the NBA referees have a an official Twitter account, and they will regularly have a what they call a watch party, where they'll sit there and and so whoever's running the Twitter account will go through a game saying, the official was probably looking at this. Here is how that particular thing was uh, judged, and here's why it turned out that way. Here, you know what. That nothing, there was no advantage gained on that particular one. That probably shouldn't have been a foul. Um, they're very um, engaged in the social media um, and and out there. That contrasts greatly to just about how every other officials association at all levels um, go. Um, it, it, I I think there needs to be some sort of a move in general to, to move to being a little more open. Um, I, I, I don't want to get to where we're, we're blasting fellow officials all over the, the internet, but I do think the leagues, the conferences, um, the various associations can have a bigger presence in saying, 
here's what happened. Here's, here's a picture of the all 22 so that you can see where the officials were and that they were properly positioned. And here's what, based on our experience, they saw from that. Um, even if you don't want to get the officials themselves to talk about the actual play, uh, various associations and conferences and things can say, here's what usually goes through an official's mind when evaluating a play like this. And, and we've, we've got the play from the uh, NFL, NFC conference championship game um, that, that was very controversial and things like that. And, and I just feel there's the, the, those leagues handle them very different directions. There's some middle ground that I think would serve everybody better. Um, yeah, that, you have it's really it. I agree to a certain extent. It's just such a hard league to get there because yep. as you know, I came up um, as an administrator on the media relations side, and one of the things you know there is you, know, you never talk to the officials. You never, um, and as an administrator, you know, it's just one of those. Now I don't know if shield your officials is is exactly the right phrase, but uh, you know you don't want to leave those people exposed right. to. Um, you know, maybe people that are really fanatical, but but I think that the NBA is really able to do some some neat things with with their social media account. Um, you know, and I re- I think the more we see um, you know former officials in the booth, I really wish that the that the TV networks would spend a little more time with with. Um, you know, making sure that their talent understands the rules, um, you know, that we can try to do some educational pieces. And I know there's a lot of that goes on already, but, uh, you know, the more we can do from an educational piece, you know, the NCAA right now is doing a great job. They send out a weekly email um, that's geared just for broadcasters, fans, media folks, you know, that kind of walks through points of emphasis and calls that are made correctly and trying to educate. And I think there's a lot of things we could really do along those lines, even if it's not, you know, being super involved on social media. Um, you know, just because, you know, just the whole going back to the, to the um, NFC championship game, you know, the frustration of, how can seven people miss that call? And it's like, no, one person missed that call. If seven people are watching that ball in the air, we've got way bigger problems than that one missed call. So, um, you know, I would agree to a certain extent. You know, at the high school level, that's where it gets really difficult because, you know, we've got uh, – For sure. And this is where I feel for – you know, it's hard administering an officiating program of any sort. But if it's the NBA, you know, they have some of the best officials in the world. You know, even even when you look at NCAA Division II football, you know, most of my staff, um, they've officiated, you know, the, a young guy working Division II football has probably officiated, in most cases, eight to ten years. They've played at a fairly high level. Um you know, they're they're fairly sophisticated with the game, but it's so hard at the high school level because right. you know you've got you know great great officials that have worked 
for 30, 35 years, still in great shape. They've literally seen everything that can happen. Now they can quote the rule book chapter and verse, but we've got people that, you know, we're putting out there to work games that, um, you know, in previous generations, I'm not sure that they would be working varsity contests at this point. So um, I, I think there's a lot of educational components. And I think one of the key parts there mm-hmm. is we, you know, whether it's a state association or the NCAA or a local official association, you know, yeah, obviously you have to address when there's when there's blatantly missed calls. Right. But I think we sometimes need to show that those tricky calls or those or those crazy plays that somebody when we get those right and explain why they're right. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean, it's a great question. I wish I I wish I had an authoritative answer that I could come down on the side, but you know, it's just so ingrained in the you know you don't you know you don't talk about that in public that. You know, I think for a lot of us, it's trying to work beyond that. Yeah, and 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 I, I certainly didn't mean to put you on the spot, especially I, I didn't. I wasn't asking you as commissioner of a conference. It was more just a general thought that I think we need to open up a little. Um, and and your point was perfect. As we need to be educated, um, and and we need to to be talking about how how things are covered. Um, exactly to your point where it's like seven people didn't miss that call. One person had a judgment to make on that call. Um, and I, I'm not saying put that official out there in, in front of the media, make him explain himself. Um, it's more about let's, let's start educating the public about how these things happen. And I think NBA is, is, is a great Twitter account to follow during those watch parties because it's really interesting to get in the mind of what they're seeing. But that's probably a step too far. Um, whether it's a, a preseason news article or two, just generally talking about how the officials work and, and that sort of thing. Um, it, it might, I, I think it would help humanize um, the officials, which will help get rid of some of the vitriol in the, in the system. Um, right now the, the officials are, are locked away and, and, and I'm going to use the word shielded, um, to where they, 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 they don't seem to, the, the associations and the, the conferences don't seem to, uh, be willing to take criticism necessarily. Whereas if, if we open it up just a little, that might humanize the officials a bit more and help with that, that dialogue. So that, that was something I wanted to, to hit when, when we were talking about how the media reacts to calls and things like that. So, um, so let's, let's wrap it up on, on um, something from your, your officiating from this prior year at the high school level. Was there a play, um, a situation that you feel is a really good teaching moment or something you learned from? You know, and I'm going to go back actually two years because um, it's still the most unusual play that I've ever been a part of. Um, sure. We have we have first and goal for A at about the two yard line. Um, runoff tackle. Um, ball gets popped loose at the goal line. Um, you know, we've gone back, watched the replay several times. 
you know, we don't think that we're pretty sure they didn't cross the the plane. Um, B, you've got what looks like it's going to be an easy scoop and score. Um, you know, player defensive back just comes in. He's got all sorts of space. Um, a player doesn't give up. And at literally the half yard line on the other end of the field, he punches the ball out. Wow. Um, another B player goes back, jumps on the ball, probably a yard from the end line. So we end up with a touchdown. But it's one of those, you know, I don't know if there's a better play ever to illustrate why you never give up on a play, why you, you know, literally you officiate everything, you know, through through the conclusion. Because, and, you know, my white hat did an incredible job making sure that, you know, he was on – he was on the goal line and managed to scramble back to the end line to get great views on those plays. But as a crew, and I thought we did a nice job according, doing the accordion back kind of, you know, with our reverse mechanics. And you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes I think we we neglect our reverse mechanics on those on those plays to get going back the other way because you know that it's something that we may not have to deal with every week with a with a long run back or, or whatever, but uh, you know, that that's probably you know, the most interesting play recently that I could talk about. Sure. Sure. And that, so let just, just to frame it properly, I want to make sure we're talking about the, uh, the, so are we talking about, we had a fumble going into the end zone. Um, defender picks up, goes 99 yards and has it punched yes. out there. Wow, and the referee was in place. We we ended up we ended up as a crew having to rule on uh, on one play, um, each goal line from within inside the one yard line and an end line. Wow, yeah that that that's phenomenal that the referee was able to get back uh, because high school kids are fast. At the end of the day, they're just fast. Um, So that's great that he was in position to make that call. That, that's that that's a that's a certainly a, a great play to bring up. So thank you for that. Well, well, uh, thank you again for for joining today. I, I really appreciate um, your insight and, and your thoughts around around officiating and and the, talking about your journey so far. Um, so at w- the listeners can find more about the Great American Conference at greatamericanconference.com, Correct. Correct. And yeah, I need to make one quick plug. Um, one, of the, yeah. one of the big initiatives that we're starting to work on in the next year or so, um, Chris Graham at the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference is is really taking a lot of leadership with this. Um, the division, NCAA Division II Conference Commissioners Association, we're really going to be working hard on trying to recruit our student athletes that are completing their eligibility to get those folks into officiating in all sports across the board. And you know, we're, as time goes on, we're going to probably be reaching out to a lot of officials close to member campuses of Division II schools to, to go and do a presentation to the graduating student-athletes or, or all of the student-athletes on a roster. So you know, that's just one, um, you know, maybe one of your listeners somewhere down the road you know, might get contacted from someone as part of 
as part of this program. And, you know, we're really hoping that maybe this is something that'll be effective in trying to, you know, bring along that next generation of officials that, you know, we're kind of missing right now. That that's great. No, that's 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 entirely awesome, and and I'm I'm glad to hear you all doing that. And it's something I've thought about doing is in the in the in the spring talking to seniors who who played football but who are not going on to play football, um, and seeing if it was something they wanted to get involved with while they were in college, um, and using that time to to at least get them in the rule book a little. Um, so that's a great initiative. Does it have a name or a website or anything yet, or is it just working towards it at the moment? Yeah, you know, right now we're, we're in the middle of a committee, um, you know, really more of a working group right now. So, yep. um, you know, more to come, um, you know, so hopefully we'll have something out on that by this summer. Awesome. No, that, that's a great idea. And, and, uh, if there's anything uh, we, I can do here, I'll, I'll gladly uh, advertise it when y'all get it going. If you just let me know, um, I'll uh, I'll put out the word for that. So um, that's great. So thanks again. Well, appreciate the time today. Um, we're recording this on the day of the Super Bowl, and and you said you were going to do a little work and a little little Super Bowl stuff. So um, have a great evening. Hey, thank you, and appreciate the chance to talk about officiating. Sure. Thank you again, Will. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Stripes. Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, you can email us at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group, Friday Night Stripes, or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight 'Em Down by Flash Fluority, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.